Well, good morning, Rye, or I just said Rye City Church. That's where I'm from. Uh, Eastview Christian Church. You're getting habits and you say the wrong place. But uh, Eastview, good morning. It is good to be back. Uh, my name is Brandon, and it's just awesome to be here at Eastview. My wife, Jamie, actually got to come with me this time. So my better half is here, which is always a good thing. And uh, it's fun to be here to kick off kind of the Christmas season. And for the two of us, we've been talking like it actually feels like Christmas here because it's cold. Um, We grew up here in the Midwest, uh, but 12 years ago, moved to San Diego. And so Christmas and cold, those don't go together out there. Uh, Christmas for us now actually consists of T-shirts and shorts and rock and flip-flops, but sipping some hot cocoa just to kind of feel Christmas a little bit. Um, Some of you are like, you're already tuned out. You're mad at me. I get it. Uh, But it's familiar for Christmas and cold to go together for my wife and I. But our kids, our four kids, man, they they know nothing of cold and Christmas. Uh, All they know is this thing called a white Christmas because they see it in the movies, and so each year they're always asking, hey, you think we're gonna have a white Christmas this year? I'm like, no, like, it has to be a Christmas miracle if we're gonna have a white Christmas. I was like, plus you don't, I don't know if you really know what you're asking for for a white Christmas. I don't think you can handle the cold. Uh, you, you say it's freezing when it's below 60 degrees. And um, my oldest daughter though, Elise, she was actually born here in Bloomington Normal at Broman Hospital. And so she always chimes in and says, no, no, I can handle it, dad. I was born in Illinois. And I'm like, you out of all four could handle it the least, kid. Like, no way. But uh, she was born here in, in Illinois at Broman Hospital. And that kind of leads me to a story that I want to share. Before Elise actually entered the world, and we were actually at a, a prenatal visit at Dr. Nord's office. And while we were there, I think Jamie was getting blood work done. So I'm sitting in uh, the, the lobby or the waiting room area. And in front of me is this painting, and I take you know, just kind of look at the picture and it's like, okay, I get what that is. Now, there's a few other people in the actual waiting room with me and there's an empty chair beside me and then a woman sitting in that, next to that empty chair. I haven't paid much attention to this painting besides just a quick glance and be like, I get it. And I'm minding my own business. But then this, this woman at one point kind of taps me on the shoulder and she goes, hey, can I, can I ask you a question? I have a question. I was like, sure. <laughs> She's like, that, that, that painting. She goes, I just, who do you think, who do you think that is? Can you go ahead and put that painting up that was in the office? And I'm looking at this. I'm like, I'm thinking this is obvious. And she says, I can't make this up. She says, do you think that's Billy Ray Cyrus and that's Miley's birth? <laughs> and I laughed just like you. I laughed right in her face. But she didn't think it was funny. She was serious. And I was like, <laughs> Billy Ray, oh, oh, uh, well, I, I could be wrong. <laughs> I think that's supposed to be Jesus, <laughs> you know, like overseeing a surgery and we are in an OBGYN clinic and babies and stuff. I think it's, I think it's Jesus. She's like, oh, I, it could be Billy Ray too. I don't know. I don't want to offend you right now, but, but I was like, I cannot wait for Jamie to come out and I can't wait to tell her this. Like, this is crazy. That's not Billy Ray Cyrus. That's Jesus Christ. (laughs) But she really didn't recognize him. And as funny as it is, that that moment has stuck with me kind of as, as a summary of the sadness of that reality. There are many people who do not recognize Jesus. Now, granted, 
Perhaps the depiction of a white man in a robe in an American surgery isn't the most accurate description of Jesus. But in our cultural context, it's like, I thought that was pretty apparent. But she didn't. She did not recognize Jesus. And what a tragic irony that is, right? And the irony is that, as we're going to look at, the one through whom the entire world was made, which includes all of us in creation, Jesus was there at the beginning, a part of the created aspects that the creator himself would not be recognized by his prized possession of creation. Think if you have kids, if your son or your daughter did not recognize who you were and just how tragic and sad that would be. And so the, this morning, we're going to really dive into this notion of recognizing Jesus. And we're actually going to go backwards in the Gospel of John, and we're going to start right there in chapter 1, which I believe is really kind of John's version of the Christmas story, although his version doesn't have a manger and a baby and kings and wise men, all these people traveling to see the newborn king, but rather he's going to speak about the coming of true light in order that all might recognize Jesus. And so if you would, would you stand with me? And I want to read John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And this version of the Christmas story, I believe really contains in it what I would say is the Christian gospel or the, Christian, or the Christmas gospel. Speaking of the good news of a God who came and became one of us to make it obvious and recognizable of his love for all people. We stand in honor of God's word in anticipation this morning of what he may want to speak and do in each one of our hearts. John chapter one, verses nine through 13, it says this, the true light that gives light for everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Will you pray with me? Lord, we pray this morning that if we think you are Billy Ray Cyrus, you would change that. If we don't recognize you, you would help us see you if we do recognize you, that you would still help us see you as you desire to be seen and known and to give our lives to you. To that end, I pray, God, meet us in this moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So John's Christmas story starts off with this motif or this imagery of light. And light is an extremely prominent imagery throughout the scriptures. It's actually in the very beginning in Genesis, the first words that God speaks really burst forth light. Genesis chapter one, verse three says this. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. There was nothing. There was darkness. There was no vision. It was obscure. It was blurry. There was nothing. But God said, let there be light. And light burst forth. And after light emerged forth, then after that in succession became life. There was light, and then after that there was life. And many theologians believe that the actual light that became so prominent and imminent in the very beginning was God himself, sharing himself and shining bright and life coming forth after that. 
And at the end of creation, we have God creating man and woman and deeming them very good. And they are guided by the light of God. And there is no obstruction of vision. But then in chapter three of Genesis, quickly things change because the light that Adam and Eve were supposed to follow, they chose a different light. And the vision they were to live by was no longer the vision they lived by. They thought they had better sights than what God said to live by his ways and his sight. And so when they chose to go a different direction and do things their way versus God's way, this big three-letter Christian curse word comes into the picture. But it's a curse word for all of us because it literally contains a curse. It's sin. And sin literally means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. You miss the bullseye. You don't hit the mark that God has set. And and the fallout from the fall, where sin becomes a part of the story, the detriment is that sin separates you. And when you are separated from the source of light and life, then the curse is inevitably when you're cut off from the source of life, there will be death. And death then becomes a part of all of our stories. And light is still shining, but it's not as bright because sin is causing obscurity. But we're also told here in the scriptures that God would make a way to restore the shining of his light for people to see. And if we jump all the way to the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we see this this uninhibited light back prominent guiding God's people. The same author of the Gospel of John has this vision. John has a vision and he writes it down. It's called Revelation. And in Revelation 22, take notice of how the light is prominent once again. It says, no longer will there be any curse, which means the, 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 the death that comes about because of the separation, because of sin, is no longer. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his face will be on their foreheads. And so they, they, he will be so close and so much in proximity, and it will be so clear. There will be no more night. There will be no more darkness. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and he will reign forever and ever. And so it's very reminiscent to the very beginning in Genesis 1, now at the end in Revelation 22, that God's light is what gives us life and vision for eternity, now and for forever. And in between Genesis and Revelation, God made the promise through the exact same imagery of light that he would send a source of light that would make a way for us to be able to live in the fullness of God's light. And so the word light became a common synonym with also the title of the anointed one who was to come or the Messiah, the chosen one. And there were prophets who spoke about when God would send a rescuer and a deliverer and that rescuer and that deliverer would be a source of light that would restore the light to all people to live by. 700 years before Jesus even stepped on this planet, the prophet Isaiah spoke these words referring to the coming of light to give us the fullness of light and life. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So he says, there is one coming who shines bright. And if you continue reading verses six and seven of Isaiah chapter nine, this may be a familiar Christmas passage for many people here this morning. He gives definition to that light. 
For unto us, or for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and a government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. That there was light, there was darkness because of a curse. There's the promise of coming light. We're gonna see Jesus comes to be that light to ultimately at the end, restore light and life for all people. So when John opens up his version of the Christian story in verse nine, he says the true light that gives light to everyone. He's not just coming up with his own new imagery metaphor. He's saying the light, the true light is Jesus. He's here. The Messiah has come. He has arrived. The anticipation and the waiting is over. He is here. But it's important to pay attention, at least in my mind, to that, that, that kind of word right before light, which is the true light that gives light to everyone. The true light. The word true in original language simply just means that which is genuine, real, or authentic. So why would John want to say the true light versus just saying the light? Perhaps it's because there are other forms of light that people have been confused by or attached themselves to. And he's wanting to give distinction to say, all other lights are lesser lights. They're not real, authentic, genuine lights. They're fake lights. They're bogus lights. They're not the true light. Because is it not their story and ours that we oftentimes pursue lesser lights or put our hope in lesser rescuers, fake messiahs, those things that don't necessarily give us great clarity of vision, but leave us still wondering in the darkness. Think about the not so true lights that we attach ourselves to, to give us meaning and purpose and vision in our life. But John is saying, no, 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 there's one true light. Perhaps we find ourselves or you find yourself much like me trying to find our hope and vision through elected politicians that they provide the answers and the agendas that's going to lead us into the future of prosperity and goodness. Perhaps it's through your financial advisors, maybe through your counselor or your therapist, that their words and wisdom become the words of wisdom for you to live by. Perhaps it's your pick of whatever your news channel source is and whatever they say and the pundits put out, that is the light that you look to. Your social media avenues, pick whichever one you want to use. And whatever you scroll through and read, those posts become the source of your information, the source of your hope, and the direction of your future. YouTube. Maybe just YouTube. (laughs) And it gives you the answer to everything, right? Perhaps it's podcasts you listen to, or, or as we now are in the emergence of the AI time. That chat GPT and artificial intelligence, I mean, that is going to be, if it not already is, a lesser light that's looked at as the great light to give us direction. Maybe it's more tangible. Perhaps it's the light that you attach yourself to to find meaning and purpose and hope is a relationship. Perhaps it's a certain position in your career, a particular pleasure that you pursue, and perhaps you even get the gratification, but eventually that pleasure subsides, and so now you're looking for a new dopamine hit or rush. Maybe it's a certain substance. 
Maybe it's educating yourself, technology. Maybe your lesser, fake, bogus, not real light that you look to more than anything is your absolute self. You are the control, the master of your own ship and your destiny. So when John says in verse nine, the true light, he's saying everything else is not true. It's not to dismiss the things that they may provide in different ways, but it is not what we are to cling to and grasp to, to find hope and meaning for our life now and for forever. Are you with me? And he says the true light that gives light to everyone and so he makes sure to know, for us to know that when Jesus came, this true light, it is a gift for all people everywhere. It is for everyone, not just some people. And so if, if your form of light that you look to somehow has an exclusivity and doesn't have inclusivity of the opportunity for all people to have access to it, whether it be their age, their gender, their race, their educational status, whatever it might be, if your form of pursuit of light excludes others and doesn't make an invitation to all people to have hope and healing, it is most definitely a fake, lesser, bogus light or Messiah. That Jesus is the true light for everyone. Every single person on the planet, including all of your enemies, all of them. And the true light gives light to everyone. And it says he was coming into the world that God wanted us to know that he wanted us to recognize him in such a way that he was willing to humble himself, to take on flesh and subject himself to the very created system that he had made to make sure it worked. To put on flesh and take the form of a baby, to, to wrap himself in skin, to submerge himself in ambiotic fluid and to then go on his own little water slide down the birth canal just to make sure that that worked. And then to come into the world and to be laid into an animal feeding trough. To be led by and parented by and raised by peasant Jewish young individuals. To learn skills and the trade from a, in carpentry from his dad. To grow in wisdom and stature as he, as he become, uh, became a man. Like God came into the world. Let us not overlook the miraculous aspect of God becoming one of us, so that we could actually recognize him. And eventually humbling himself, the scriptures tell us, even to death, to death on the cross. The true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. But then the next two verses are unbelievably sad because they're the Billy Ray Cyrus verses. Because John tells us, even though God made it so obvious by becoming one of us, even though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. It says, he came into the world at which his own, but his own did not receive him or recognize him. Perhaps the lack of recognition or reception was because people were expecting something more magnificent or spectacular, but rather it was so ordinary and what seemed to be so everyday and mundane. Maybe it was because people's gaze was more attracted to they thought was great light, but it was really a lesser light. There's a lot of reasons people choose not to or do not see or recognize Jesus, but it's a tragedy, is it not? And this, these two words of recognize and to receive that John uses really give us a clue into what God really wants for our lives. The, the word recognize 
is really this, is this Greek word gnosko. And, and it means to know. But not just to know like intellectually or cognitively. It's a, it's a relationship word. It's to, to know with intimacy, to, to become almost one with and to be in relationship with. So he said they did not recognize him. He's really saying they did not know him. They did not like have a relationship with their actual creator and they did not receive him. The word receive can also just simply be translated. They chose not to associate with him. Is it not still the story of humanity that there are many who choose not to know him nor to associate with Jesus for whatever reason you can fill in the blank? Verses 10 and 11 may be some of the saddest two verses in the Bible. They're the Billy Ray Cyrus verses. They didn't know him and they didn't necessarily associate or join with him. But in verse 12, there's the word yet. And that word yet screams grace, screams opportunity. (laughs) That word yet is a juxtaposition of what could be, but what God wants to be. It says, although people did not recognize him or receive him, verse 12, yet to all, yet to all. He's, he's, he's constantly beating the same drum, not to some, but yet to all. And that word yet is saying, in spite of not knowing him, in spite of not recognizing him, in spite of not necessarily associating with him for whatever reason or another, there's a yet there. And the yet screams the gospel of there's still a chance and he still loves you. He hasn't given up on you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. There's all, yet is the same as like, but in the Bible, B-U-T. And there's a lot of great buts in the Bible. You can quote me on that. And the but is like, but an exception to. You once were dead, but God has raised you. You once were in your sin, but God did this. You gotta love the fact that God has a yet and a but because that's where he meets you. And it says yet. Yet, yet, yet to all who did receive him and to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Praise God. Praise God for that. And to all who chose to receive him and to believe in his name, that word receive, to actually take hold of and to associate with and to believe Believe, this Greek word pistuo, it's not just intellectually ascending and believing, it's, it's a persuasion, but the word literally means to become loyal to or have fidelity with, to enter into relationship. You, you grab hold of, you associate with, and you begin in relationship to have fidelity and loyalty to Jesus. And then you know him. And that's for every single person. And it says that he gives the right He gives the right. It's not you doing anything. It's not your efforts, your works, what you deserve, that you somehow earned this gift, but he gave the right. It's all about what he did. And as we believe in that, receive that, become loyal to him in that, he then gives us the right to become children of God. And that word translated children is this Greek word technon. And it's not just speaking about like a kid, but it's a word that was used reserved for like my precious son or daughter. 
It's the same word that, that Jesus used in Luke 15 to speaking about the prodigal son. And when the prodigal son came home and the father was running off the porch and said, my boy is back. He says, my technon. Now, I just want to give some clarity. Then I want to give an illustration. Some of you are like, what's in the box? <laughs> the clarity is this. This notion, sometimes in, in, in Christianity and in church world, we say things that really aren't true. And one of the things that we say that aren't true is that everybody's a child of God. Everybody, everybody's a child of God. Biblically, that's not the case. Everyone is made in the image of, and likeness of God. Everyone is a creation of God. Everyone is dearly loved by God. But the title of child of God is reserved for those who actually receive and believe in his name. And it's in his name. God has a name. It's not, I just believe in God. It is like, I believe in God, but that God is manifest and his name is Jesus. And when I believe in Jesus, when I'm loyal to Jesus, when I'm in relationship with Jesus and I receive him and I believe in him, then what we're told is I then become technon. You are a child of God. And it says that you're not born then again of natural descent or of a husband's will, but now you are born of God. You are born again. And in that rebirth, there's this restoration, there's this washing, there's this forgiveness, there's this new beginning, there's this darkness fading and light being given where God now is the light of your life and leads your life. And you are his son or daughter, dearly loved, being led by him and now being used by him to invite others to become children of God as well. I wanna, I wanna just kind of hopefully stick this in our minds through this simple illustration. And I need a volunteer. Last time I was here, I used Tyler. That didn't go so well. Um, so I'm gonna find somebody else. Uh, anybody want a present? I need somebody to come up here. Come on up. All the way, man. You are gonna be in front of everybody and on the World Wide Web and all that kind of stuff. Let's go. Dang, all right. Let's go. What's your name? Kevin. Kevin, everybody say, hey, Kevin. Come on over here, Kevin. Let's go. Woo. You didn't get that cheering when you came out. I'm just saying. You know, sometimes when people, when people say, let's go, Brandon, they don't always just mean me. Did you know that? Like, uh... <laughs> so t-shirts aren't for you. No, no they're not. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we've diverted in a yeah, not good direction. Let's go. So, yeah. I got a present for you, Kevin. All right. So, it's your choice. I, I have flown from California. That's all the I did this. And I got this, I bought this, and I'm gonna, I wanna give it to you. But it's your choice, will you receive it? Yeah, let's go. To receive it. So this is the first part. So like, it's what God did, right? He came, he made a way. I didn't, I, hold on, Kevin, chill. This is, I received it. I, I, got the, take it I got the microphone, okay? So, Tyler, you're gonna come up next time. This guy's crazy. So anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So to receive it, True. to grab, to take, to choose to now like, it's yours. But what is important at this point is whether or not you choose to like what? Open it. Open the box. I mean, to actually believe means to actually kind of commit to, to have loyalty to, to open the box. So it's up to you. Like I, I hand it to you. It was not, it was a gift. You want it? Yeah. Okay, go ahead and open it up. Well, what's in the box? Oh, 
What do we got here? Okay. Yeah. So in this moment, he has received. I gave it to him. It was a gift. And it's his choice at this point to actually believe is whether or not you're going to associate with, wear it, be loyal to it. And and now he is, and, and who's on there? Oh, Elf. Do you remember that scene when he says Santa Claus? He's like, ah, ah. do it with me, right? He's like, I, I know him. You do that. I know him. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought we were going to pour syrup on uh, spaghetti. You can but do that after church service. Um, <laughs> so it's good. But now you have a sweater. Yeah, you can wear it loud and proud. Yeah. And this marks him as a child of God. Okay, it doesn't all fit. You get it, but, yeah. but you now have a Christmas sweater. But for you, the actual following of Jesus to become a follower of Christ is Kevin choosing to wear this, walk out with this, and to say, I know him. Thanks. Thanks. Enjoy your sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said it this way, just a couple chapters later in John chapter 3, verse 3. Very truly, I tell you, no one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Everyone's invited to the kingdom of God, but no one can see, enter into the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And to say, I receive, I associate with, I enter relationship in it, and I am loyal to, I know him. And you recognize him. And he recognizes you, and he knows you, and he leads you because he loves you. So the Christmas story that John gives us that contains the, Christ, the Christmas gospel, for us on this day to have the true light who gives light to everyone to be our light, It's important that we acknowledge our inability to see because of our sin, which causes obscurity and darkness. And upon that recognition, upon us understanding that I can't, but he can. It's not what I've earned, but it's what he's given. It's the gift. We then confess and repent of seeking lesser fake lights, lesser fake hopes, lesser fake messiahs, saviors, rescuers. And we say, I turn to you and I give my life to you. And we receive and we believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the commission to go and make disciples and to await his promised return. Which leaves us to this question, simply this, have you received and believed in the true light that gives light to everyone? Have you? Are you wearing that Christmas sweater loud and proud like Kevin? Can you come back second service? You're great. Um, let, me, let me close with just this story. Um, three weeks ago, my wife, Jamie, and I had the privilege to get to go to Iceland, Reykjavik, Iceland. I had the honor of getting to speak at a, an event with one of our strategic partners. And Jamie was so excited to be able to come on that trip. Uh, big time because a bucket list item for her were the Northern Lights. Anybody seen the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights? Like this was something she's like, I cannot wait to see the light just exploding with light. 
And I was pretty excited about it as well. And, and a part of the trip included kind of going on like a sailboat and going out kind of a dark recessed part of the waters to see these lights in all their glory. And so we get there and the, the, the bus driver, the tour driver tells all of us, this is the optimal night. Only once in 11 years, it is so clear. And we're like, oh my goodness, like the Lord really does love us. Like it's perfect. And so we get on this boat and we go out to the middle of this darkness and it's freezing, freezing, but who cares? Because we're gonna see the Northern Lights. So we get out there and we're, we're looking into the darkness and we're trying to find like, where's the glory? Where's the blues and the yellows and all the greens? And all of a sudden we see this kind of little flicker and this little glimmer. And we're like, I think that's it. And they're like, yeah, that's it. And it's like, but it's a little bit not so brilliant and bright. And it kind of then dissipates and it's gone. And they're like, oh, that's what happens. They kind of show up and they go away, but just, just keep watching because it's going to get, it'll get better. And so we look and it, boom, there's just a little bit, but then it's like, kind of looks like a cloud. I don't really know. And then it, it goes away. And after about an hour of watching these little, like little trickles of light, I'm starting to get extremely disappointed. And then we're actually told, well, well, actually, if you put your iPhone up, you can see it better. And sure enough, we grab our iPhone and we're like, whoa, there's the Northern Lights. They're gone. Wait, they're there. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Like the camera's exposure really brings out the light. And I was like, well, that's a rip off. Like I'd be so ticked if I just came here to see the lights and I had half of my phone. He's like, yeah, I mean, most of the pictures you see, I, sometimes are better than this, but, but a lot of it's the overexposure and then the editing. And I was like, that's a crock. Like, I, I hate the Northern Lights now. I was like, I was so disappointed and I was so cold. <laughs> and so was Jamie. But we, just like everybody else, took lots of pictures and like, and then check out the glory of the Northern Lights on our phone. <sighs> Can I just say this to close? No light will be fully satisfying. All lights will be fully disappointing unless they are the true light of Jesus Christ. And his invitation to every one of us, every one of us here, everyone watching online, everyone everywhere, is to receive the true light who gives light to everyone who has come into the world. Have you received and believed in that true light? And if so, Disappointment will not be your story. Rather, his glory and future glory will be your story. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for this time. And God, I am asking this moment that you would move in a powerful way. God, as I was reading through this, and I feel like you stirred my heart to just, just present that question and then, and then ask, perhaps as people are having their heads bowed, their eyes closed, if, if there's anyone in this room right now or watching the line that, that has not clung their life, wore that sweater, associated to say, I know Christ, that Lord, right now, would you please let them look to you as the true light who gives light to all. And if that is you, if you're someone who says, I, I hadn't recognized Jesus and I, I thought he was Billy Ray. And now it's like, I want Jesus. I pray right now that you would simply just tell God, Jesus, I need you. I receive you. I receive your gift that you gave. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But Jesus, you graciously gave it and made a way for it. When you hung on that cross, died for my sins and made a way when you rose from the dead to forgive me. 
Jesus, I receive that. I believe that. I want to enter in relationship with you now. Fill my life. Lead my life. Be my true light. And if you pray that in some form with your own words, the scriptures promise as far as the east is from the west, so far our sins are moved from us. That there's a party in heaven for one sinner who chooses to come home. And so God, we pray that you'd move in all of our hearts to help us keep recognizing you. We need you, we love you. And I thank you, God, for how you're working in people's hearts right here, right now. And we give this all to you in the name of Jesus alone and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you, Eastview.